0: Oh, that's pretty nice. How you guys doing today? Alright, for real quick, what I want to do is, uh, if you're going to, if you've come back from the Philippines, we have some brothers and sisters that just came back, just returned from the Philippines, or if you are going out, I just want you to stand to your feet for a second. And let's, ch- as a church, let's recognize them, you know, let's applaud them for going out. As well as if, as well as if you're going this week. If you're going this week, stand to your feet as well, because we have a, a Caroline, Caleb, and Eugene. They're heading out as well, so let's just bless them as well. Just. It is uh, okay. You, you guys can be seated. It is, it is an amazing thing just to drop everything and go. And so uh, I think that's something that we should definitely recognize and applaud them for, because it was just. All of a sudden, Pastor Christian's like, who wants to go to the Philippines? And we have like 10 people like, I want to go. And so, hallelujah, you know, we got to continue to bless them and uh, also applaud that. Um, I'm going to take off my jacket for a second. So, give me a second. I'm going to take this all too because I kind of feel like preaching today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How are you guys doing today? How you guys doing today? You feeling good? You feeling good? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling fantastic. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, um, yeah, so my name is Pastor Marcus. If you do not know, I'm one of the intern pastors here at New Philadelphia Church. And right now, as we prayed earlier, Pastor Christian, the lead pastor, and Aaron Samo, they are on vacation, having a great time and uh getting some great testimonies. They're getting prayed for like by Bill Johnson and Heidi Baker and all this stuff. And, Cool. Cool deal. And so, yeah, let's continue to pray for them and bless them. But we're here right now and it's time to hear from the word of the Lord. So if you're if you're ready to hear, let me hear. It. Come, on. Come on. Let me hear. It. Come, on it. Come on with it. There we go. It's always good to bring Ebonics into the sermon. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right. So uh, before I start, let, let us bow our heads and pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are so good, God. We thank you, Lord, that you are so good and you rejoice over us. You're in a good mood when you see us, God. You're in a good mood right now as you look upon us, God. And you love us, Lord. You're filled with joy. You're filled, God, with just so much passion for each one of us, Lord. And we thank you, Father God, for that, Lord. Father God, we thank you for this blessed day. We rejoice and we're glad in it, Lord. And, Father God, we pray that today, God, your word, Lord, would just come out of your servant, Lord God, to do a mighty work, Father God. That, Lord God, it would begin to change Mindsets, God, it would begin to change, Lord God, and break strongholds, Lord God, and Lord God, freedom, Lord God, would really break forth into this place, God. I bind up every work, every unclean spirit, every work of the enemy. I command, be gone in the name of Jesus. I pray right now, Lord God, for a loosening from heaven, Lord God, of your spirit, which gives revelation, which gives wisdom to all of us and to the knowledge of you, God. I just really pray, Lord, for that spirit of wisdom and revelation to be released into this place, Lord God, that the eyes of our very hearts would be enlightened unto the knowledge of you, God, in this place. Lord God, I pray that, Father God, as I preach, Lord, you would just, Father God, give your servant, Lord God, the words to speak, that I would be led by your spirit, Lord, and that, Father God, it would not be human wisdom, but the wisdom of the cross that is preached today, Lord God, to really, Lord God, transform our lives. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So the title of today's message is called The Call to Be. Okay, the call to be. And so today I'm going to talk about what it means to have a call to be. And so what I'm going to talk about more than anything else is that God has given us an identity that we are to stand in. And from that identity, we are to go out and to be initiators of the kingdom. So I'm going to talk to you really about the kingdom. Two months, two, three months ago, I preached in July and I preached This is my first sermon series. Hallelujah. Woo. And it was called the knowledge of God. And the second sermon was about the kingdom. It was about kingdom things. So if you want to talk about the kingdom today, let me hear you say a hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and I want you to tell him it's all about the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. You guys must not believe it's all about the kingdom. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's all about the kingdom. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Give yourselves a round of applause for that. That was good. (laughs) It's all about the kingdom. This Christian life has always been about us standing in who we are and who God says we are. And then being the initiators of his kingdom of right rule and government upon this earth. God has always purposed it that his church, that his people would experience and walk in a realm of love power and authority that will be magnified as we look to see his kingdom come his will be done on earth as it is in heaven as i'm preaching this isn't a lecture so if you if you like what you're hearing i want to hear you say amen all right if you like what you're hearing i want i want you to hear you say right give me something all right all right right Right. that's what i'm talking about see right now see what the will of god what's on the heart of god is to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven See, what we see here on earth right now is not the perfect will of the Father as it is in heaven. What we see here on earth is not the perfect will of the Father in the kingdom done here on earth as it is in heaven. Because see, as far as I know, there are no sicknesses. There's no poverty. There's no factions. There's no divisions in the kingdom. As far as I know, there's no illnesses, there's no poverty, there's no lack in his kingdom. In the kingdom to which we've been given the keys for. And so, it's only the right and sovereign love of our king, our lover, the bridegroom. It's only only a place filled with love, blessing, inheritance, overflow. And that's what we are called to experience from. See... God has made us not just to be worshipers, but to be people who go out and initiate the kingdom on this earth. If it were just about us singing songs to God and reading our Bibles and just being righteous, God would have just done all of that in heaven and we would have just stayed up there. But the reason why God made heaven and earth was so that on earth, his kingdom could be initiated, that that right rule and government could come through and be initiated on this earth so that we would see sicknesses healed. We would see all of these things. We would see unjust rule. We'd see the justice of God coming through and making things right. We would see God's government and authority established on this kingdom, on this earth. And see, God, God purposes so much that he sent Adam first to do it. He told Adam, be fruitful and multiply. See, Adam was, Adam was supposed to be that initiator of the kingdom. But Adam failed, obviously. So then who did he send Sunday school answer, Jesus, Jesus. he sent Jesus and where Adam failed, Jesus, hallelujah, he was successful. And where and then after that, it wasn't just that Jesus succeeded and then he took he took us all up to heaven because we're all here. We're all sitting right here. But no, he left his Holy Spirit to be here upon us. He left the third person to be here, to lead us, to empower us, to be people that initiate. The kingdom upon this earth. See, this season at our church is a season of divine positioning and readiness for our church. At this hour, each one of you, God is moving the pieces. He's sharpening the tools. He's refreshing your weary bodies so that we will know how to draw from the source. We will know how to live as kingdom people. And then we will go out to make the kingdom known. His will, his kingdom come upon the earth. That we will learn what it means to be heirs and people that walk in inheritance and blessing. In order to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God wills for our worldly economies. Our worldly economies that are filled with scarcity and lack. To instead be infused with a kingdom economy of blessing. A kingdom economy of overflow. That our lives are not supposed to be ones of lack. But ones of blessing. To the overflow. That we experience so much blessing and overflow that it goes into the lives of others. You believe that? See, like, when we bless someone, it's not by the kingdom, it's not by the worldly economy where I bless you, therefore I have less blessing. It's I bless you and I am blessed. And therefore I'm blessed again to bless you. And it continues and continues because God has placed, that's his kingdom. I was listening to Bill Johnson. He said, some say it's better to give than to receive, but it's best to give and receive. Hallelujah. And that's what the kingdom is about. It's about giving and receiving. God is not purposed for us to be people that walk in lack, but we, we know how to draw from a kingdom economy of abundance and blessing. He's, he's purposed for worldly mindsets. So many of us, our mindsets have been gripped by the world. We think like the world thinks. We draw from the world's wisdom. When people win Nobel Peace Prizes, we think that those people are the most brilliant people. But God purposes for his kingdom of mindsets to come in. That we do not look to the world for their wisdom. Our minds have been bound to the mind of Christ. He's the most wise individual to ever walk the earth. And it says in the word that we have the mind of Christ. That's where we draw from. That's the kingdom. It's that our minds will be transformed. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians 4 says what? Be made new in the attitude of your minds. Romans 12 says that you should be transformed. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you would approve his good, pleasing and perfect will. And what is God's passion? What is his desire? It's for you to know who you are. And then to go out and be initiators of his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Many of us come from broken families. We have worldly families that are filled with hurt. Filled with depression. Filled with brokenness. Some of us don't even talk to our parents. Me and my dad have been estranged pretty much forever. But that's the worldly model of family. It's infiltrated the church, though, when you see that the church has the same percentages of divorce as the world does. But God, but the kingdom is about having families that are about generational blessings. About families that are filled with, with the inheritance and the blessing of God continually poured out upon our families. That our families would not be places of brokenness, but where those broken places would be bound. That we would see love begin to arise in our families once again. We'd see our, fa- our fa- family members saved. We'd see our family members awaken to the knowledge of God. That's what the kingdom's about. It's about transforming our world. See God has been God has always will for our lives to be ones of prosperity of blessing of influence but instead we've been buying into a life of abandonment disease and distrust but God's will is for his kingdom of health strength and faith to come upon our world and to change those things if you believe what i'm saying let me hear an amen See, the word throughout continually points to the will of God and his purposes to see his kingdom come. But the central issue is that God wants us to be a part of it. God wants you, not just the pastors, not just the intern pastors, not just the staff. He wants you to be the initiators of it. He wants you to be the ones that go out knowing who you are in Jesus and go out to be the people who initiate justice in this world. He wants you to go out and really be his hands and feet to walk and to touch and to bring justice and righteousness and to bring change into this world. See, this is a time when God is calling us. Not to spend all our time begging and pleading for more anointing, more authority. God, give me more, give me more, give me more because I'm so weak. I can't do it. This is a time where God's calling us to awaken to what he's already given us what we've already freely received and to go out and walk in it. Yes. This is a time where it's not about praying from a place of insecurity. Praying from a place where we don't really trust that God is answering our prayers. But we're praying from a place of faith. We're knowing that God has already given us the things that we ask for. He said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Seek first the kingdom And all these other things will be added unto you as well. That we would be a people that walk it out. That we cast off the works of darkness in this world. Because we've already been fitted with the armor of light. But for this to happen, there's two things that I'm going to preach about two things that I want to talk to you about. And it's the first is about knowing who you are. It's about identity. And then the second is about then being the initiators on this earth. I mean, do you hear what I'm saying, church? Do you you understand what I'm saying? Is it registering? Lord, right now, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, to be released in this place. I bind every spirit, Lord God, of futility. I bind every spirit, Lord God, that is coming against your people, Lord God, bringing, Lord, Father God, fatigue upon your people. I cast it off. I declare it gone in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, for, Lord, energy to be infused upon your people right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that we would, Father God, draw from the refreshing, Father God, joy that comes from being known by you, Lord God. And that would be our strength in this place, Lord God. I I bind every spirit of distraction, Lord. I loosen it off of your people right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that, Father, we would really begin to tap in, Lord God, to what you're saying at this hour to your church. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. See, there's a couple things that we have to be open up to. And the first is identity. The first is identity. We need to know who we are before we can ever go out to initiate. What God is calling us to do. Last week, John Michael talked about what two things being the foundation of God's throne. Righteousness Righteousness and justice. That you got to you got to have both. You can't just have one. But you got to have the righteousness about knowing who you are in Christ and then going out to be his hands and feet, bringing justice upon this world. And so the first thing that we have to understand is our identity. I want everyone to turn, to turn to Genesis chapter 2 right now, verses 19 to 20. When you get there, let me hear an amen. Genesis is fairly early. It's, it's right before Exodus, if you guys can find it. Amen, amen. All right, good. Amen. Oh, I miss Faye. Oh. Faye, if you're listening, we love you and we miss you. All right, one one quick second. God bless you, Faye. All right, so is everyone there? Genesis 2, 19 to 20. All right, so I want you to read along with me. As I read, I want you to read along. 19 to 20. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper for fit for him. Amen. How many of you guys know that as it says in this word obviously. How many of you guys know that Adam named every single beast? It says it right here, right? How many how many you guys can read, right? How many of us know that Adam named every single beast? Everything in the air, every yeah, raise your hand if you know, Brady, thank you. <laughs> See, Adam named every single beast, right? He named he named even the birds in the sky. He named he named the beast, he named the fish in the sea. He named the hummingbird, the elephant, The armadillo he named them all right adam was a a fairly creative dude when you think about it but how many of you guys realize that adam named and see there's there's some truth in this passage right here how many of you guys know that adam named every creature on earth except for himself it's true right it's true isn't it it's it's right it's right Okay, stop and think about that. Adam named every creature. He named he named the birds. He named he named the beast. He named the fish. He named every creature on earth except for himself. So who named Adam? God did. God named Adam. It seems like very Sunday schoolish, right? You just read it. It's very obvious. But see, if you if you stay in that the pride of a Sunday school mindset, oh this is this is Sunday school, then you're gonna miss this revelation. See, Adam named every creature except for himself, and God named him. Creation didn't name Adam. It wasn't like the alligator turned back to Adam and said, you look pretty good, I'ma call you Adam. <laughs> it wasn't like the elephant did that. It wasn't like the bird did that. God named Adam. See, Adam was told who he was by God. God said, you're man. He made him. God told Adam who he was. And then from that place of where Adam was, Adam was able to initiate right authority and order upon the earth. God told Adam who he was. You're Adam. And then from that place, God brought all the beasts to Adam for Adam to name. See, God... Gives us our identity. When God tells you who you are, then you're at a place. You're at a position to be an initiator of his blessing upon the earth. If creation is telling you who you are, you're not really at a position to do much of anything. But it's when it's when God tells you who you are, like God told Adam who he was, he was able to release God's order and governance upon creation. Well, okay, maybe that's just Adam because Adam was first, right? Adam had to go, come first. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was just identity that God had to give Adam before Adam could do anything. But let's flip over. Let's go to Matthew 3 now. Let's go back to our the passage for today. And see, we look at Matthew 3. And what we find in Matthew in Matthew 13 is that, well, Matthew 3.17 is that, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. See, the same thing that happened with Adam happened with Jesus. See, in Matthew 3.17, God, when Jesus was baptized, God tore open the heavens. He rended the heavens open. And then he spoke down upon Jesus and he said, This is my son, you are my son, in whom I am well pleased. It was from God declaring to Jesus who he was and how he felt about Jesus that then Jesus had the confirmation, the affirmation from God to go out and do ministry. It was from that place where Jesus knew who he was, so then he was at a place to go out and do the things of God. See, if you look throughout the Bible... God does not commission and send people to be initiators of his will without first communicating to us who we are. God isn't going, God doesn't send you out without first telling you who you are. Even as Pastor Christian preached about the apostolic. You don't go out without first God telling you that you're a sent one. You don't go out without first God confirming and telling you who you are. And it is from that place of being loved and affirmed by God that we find our purpose and our empowerment to go out and initiate change in this world. To bring forth the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, right? It is literally from the being, finding ourselves in right relationship with God, hearing what God says about us, that we are released into doing. See, I'm talking about identity before I talk about going and doing anything, because it's only from the revelation of your identity that you can declare and see God's will realized on this earth. It's only from that place. But see, so many times you and I, we get the being and the doing mixed up, don't we? The world has told us that you're doing what you do is what will prove or bring about who you are that you're doing will verify your being, your identity. We think it's about the prayers we pray, the holiness to which we live. Oh, I didn't look at this. I didn't do this. Oh, I prayed. I'm consistent on my quiet time today. We think that it's the things that we do that verify who we are. Even right now, we think that It's us coming to church that verifies that we're Christian. That it's the things that we do, that I'm I'm in small group, I'm in discipleship, I'm, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor. It verifies who I am. What I do somehow says who I am. We think that it's the prayers we pray, the anointing we walk in, the signs and the wonders even, that will prove to ourselves that we're really a Christian. That if I pray for this person, and something happens, and that's going to prove that I'm Christian. That's going to prove that God's anointed me. Or if I if I am consistent on my quiet time, that's going to prove that I'm really a Christian. I'm going to prove to myself and prove to God that I am a Christian. That I believe in Him. i got to show God that I am who He says I am. But see, God doesn't see things that way. He doesn't declare the miracle before telling us that we ourselves are miraculous. He doesn't call us without letting us know that it is because we're first his. Because we are his as we sung. And that the victory is won already because we're his. He doesn't send us out to verify things that we should already know. Like I'm not sitting here today preaching so that I can prove to myself I'm anointed. Amen. Cuz God already tells me I'm anointed. God already tells me that I'm blessed and highly favored. I ain't got to I ain't got to go out and do anything to prove it. God already says it and if God says it it must be true. He's not a man that he would lie. But so many times we think that we got to prove to God what he already says about us. We got to think we think in the church that our lives, what we do is what will characterize and prove our worth and value. And that is why when we sin. We spend all our time before the Lord saying, Lord, I'm so wretched, Lord, I'm so dirty, Lord, I'm so unbelievably bad. I can't believe I did this again, Lord. Because we think that what we do will somehow verify who we are. But see, that's because we've misunderstood what repentance is about. We think that repentance is all about turning around, but repentance is about opening your eyes. See, so many times we... Repentance, John Bevere said in his book that when the Spirit of God shows you your sin, He always does it in a way to show you that your sin... Is separate from you. This brings conviction, not condemnation. Like so many times, we think that what we do will characterize who we are. Therefore, when we sin, we feel condemned. When God's saying, just repent, that's not who you are. Paul said, It's not I who sinned, but the sin living in me. Paul understood that it wasn't him, that there was a separation. So that when you repent, you're declaring to God, you know what, Lord, this is not me. Looking at this, this is not who you've made me to be. And that's why I have the strength to cast it off. You sealed me. You covered me with your blood. And I can cast this off because this isn't of me. So many of us are struggling even right now with condemnation for maybe what you've done in the past. You feel really guilty and shameful. But that wasn't, that's not you. That's not of you. God looks upon you. He says, you are my children whom I love. I am well pleased with you. We all believe that we're Christian. We believe that we're going to go to heaven. And what's God going to say when we stand before him? He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Regardless of our failures. Because God looks at us and he He sees who we truly are. And it's time for us to open our eyes to who we truly are as well. See, what you do doesn't characterize who you are. Who you are is what will release you into what you do. I'll say it one more time. I guess I should say it one more time. Should I say it one more time? Okay, I'll say it one more time. I may not get the word incorrect, but maybe, maybe. I'll get another amen that time. What you do doesn't characterize who you are. But who you are is what releases you into what you do. Don't say amen to please me. Say amen when it drops in your spirit. Because it's going to be from that place that you're going to go out and impact the world. It's not going to have anything to do with me. It's going to have everything to do with Jesus. But see, Satan has always came with the same lie and tactic. Saying that you got to do in order to be. Satan always comes at us with the same lies. The same tactics all the time. He tempted Eve in the garden in the same way. He attacks our identity. You look. I can make, you can flip back right now if you want to. But When Satan comes, when Satan tempts Eve, what does he say? He says, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? What did Satan do at that time? He manipulated the word of God. Yeah, boo Satan. But he did it. He did it to manipulate a word that God had spoken to Adam, telling Adam, you can eat of every tree in the garden, but one. It's a very, it's a vastly different perspective when you know that you can eat everything except for one. And when Satan comes to you and says you can't do anything. See, what Satan was attacking there was their identity. See, before Adam was at a place of identity, he knew he was blessed and highly favored. He knew that God had given him everything. All he had to do was stay away from one thing. He was blessed. That's a place of blessing. But then Satan twisted it. To cause doubt to come in. Oh, I I must not be blessed and highly favored. God must be holding back something from me. I must not live up to it. And then what did he do? He tempted it from being blessed and highly favored rulers over the earth to being lacking, forgotten, forsaken. And then it became no longer about being, but about doing. Doing. For Eve and for Adam, because Adam was standing right there, it became not about being anymore. It became about doing. Now, Eve's got to do something in order to achieve something. Oh, what? Eat this fruit. I got to do this work in order to become wise. When God had already blessed them, all they had to do was ask the father. Father see, God had given them so much already. Why would he not graciously give them wisdom when he needed it? But it it says in the word that Eve looked upon the fruit. She saw that it was good for eating and that it would make them wise. Therefore, Eve thought that if she could work for it, she would get it. If she could just reach out and grab it, she would then get it. Satan had twisted their identity to believing that they're from a place of lack where they must prove themselves by works. By the work of eating the apple. Eve thought that it was the doing that brought about the being. Look later with Cain and Abel, it's the same thing. You know, Cain's out there in the field and he's like, You know what, I'm gonna bring God this this we right here, I'm gonna bring this to the Lord, and he's gonna he's gonna be pleased with this because I'm working so hard. And Abel's sitting over there chilling. Like, Well, there's the there's the first lamb. I'm gonna bring that to God now. You can see where Cain would maybe get jealous. See, Canaan thought that all of his works, all of his works would bring it before God and then God would approve him. That he would then receive approval from God because he's worked so hard. But Abel understood that it wasn't, it wasn't by works that you receive, it's by grace. That it was God's grace just freely giving him these things that he could bring it before the Lord. Canaan has probably thought that he could work for God's approval. Abel understood that you just gotta receive it. And so many of us, we fall into that same trap. We think that we have to work for God's blessing in order to receive it. When God says, just receive it. God says, you already are. I've already given it to you. Just receive it. Stop working so hard. But look, if we go back, we go back to the passage. We go back to Jesus now. We see Adam and Eve now. Let's look at Jesus. Jesus was in the same state. Jesus had just been affirmed by God like Adam was. Hearing that he was God's son and God is so proud of who he is. Not what Jesus had done, but who Jesus was. Jesus hadn't done anything for the kingdom before that time. But God said, you're my son. I love you. I am so proud of you. And he had not done a thing. He had not healed a person. He had not preached once. And God said, I am so proud of you and jesus was released into a place now to go out and do what god had called him to do but satan came with that exact same attack that was brought to adam and eve he first questioned his identity he said if you are the son of god and then he challenged him to place the works before the identity he said if you are the son of god then command these stones to become bread. But check out Jesus' response. He said, what did he say? Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Think about where Jesus is at this point. He had just heard from God. He had just heard the word of God, that you are my son whom I love, and I am well pleased with you. And then Satan tries to bring him into works. And Jesus' response is, well, I don't live on works. I live on every word that my father has given me. I live on who God just told me I am. Jesus understood and pointed out that it's not the works. It's not the miracles. It's not the turning the stone into bread that would verify who he was. But rather what God had already told him. And that was the reference point to which Jesus lived his life. The bread was the works. And the works are good. He said, man shall not live on bread alone. The miracles are good. The signs and wonders are good. But it's not everything. It's the identity. It's standing in who we are on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See, Jesus even said that many will come and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I perform many signs and miracles in your name? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Those people that came come before Jesus in that day, they're thinking that all the miracles, all the signs and wonders, all their perfect attendance at Bible studies, all of their righteous living is what's going to give them eternal life. It's what's going to please the father. But he says, depart from me. I never knew you. You weren't living from the words that I'd already spoken from you. You were trying to strive. You were trying to strive for what I'd already told you you were. See, many of us, we think that we need to become better Christians. We think that we need to do this. We need to stop doing this. We need to do this a little bit more so that then we can be better Christians. I remember I was sitting in torch and one of my teachers was talking about how we need to be better stu- we need to come out and be better stewards so that we can earn God's favor. We need to do our homework so we can have God's favor. And then when we shared in our group amongst the fellows so many of us were like, yeah, you know, I I I stopped I haven't been doing my quiet time all week. Yeah, I need to do more of that. Yeah, so that God can be proud of me. I need to I need to Talk to my I I walked by somebody on the street and I, I didn't say anything I know now I need to just pray for everyone I see so that God can be proud of me I know that I need to have perfect attendance I know that I need to do 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 so that God will love me so that God will give me favor when God says I love you already you're already favored you're my sons and daughters You don't have to work for it. Just walk in it. See, I talk about the being first. Because now I'm going to talk about the doing. See, the temptation is for us because the world has so wrecked our mindset and given us a worldly thought life. That we believe it's all about doing and not about believing God is who he says he is. And believing that God has made us who he says we are. And the temptation is sometimes for us to get so focused on the doing that we forget about the being. And so, right now, as I talk about the doing, I don't want you to forget about the being because your doing flows out of your being. See, the story of Christian failure has always been about a people who fail to first understand who they are, and from that place of insecurity, they assume that their works will bring about worth. And this mindset only leaves us confused, disillusioned, and burnt out. Because we keep working and working and working and working, and we we don't see it because we already have it. And we're expecting more and more and more and more, and we keep working when God's already given it to us. See, what the church needs to understand is that once you've been put at a place of security in God, once you understand who you are in God, You no longer have to pull and beg and work and fail and tire for the blessings of God, but rather you freely walk in it by faith and you declare it. Declarations are made and then change comes. See, in the story, if we look in the passage, after that temptation, Satan tempts Jesus a couple more times. He tempts him three, two more times. And after he does that, Jesus, once again, he just keeps refuting it because Satan's only challenging his identity. He's trying to push Jesus to work for something he already has. But once it's already been solidified, once Jesus has already been made, he's already made it known. Look, Satan, I know who I am. What's the next thing that Jesus says? He says it in Matthew 4, 10. He says, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Then, verse eleven. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. When when you understand who you are, then you're not you're no longer praying. Like we're talking about praying the will of God into existence, right? That's what we've been like so many different pre. People have come up and preached about it, led prayer about it, about praying the will of God into existence. But when you understand who you are, when you understand that you're a priest of God, you understand what the priest of the Lord did in the Old Testament. They went out and they spoke the words of the Lord. When you understand who you are, it's, it's no longer begging God, it's declaring what God has already told. It's declaring the word of God. It's declaring things out and seeing that change come. That's right, Larry. Hallelujah. See, Satan had attacked Jesus left and right. And Jesus didn't have to say, Lord, please, Lord, please come take Satan away from me. He said, be gone, Satan. Amen. He knew he, he knew who he was. He knew that he was seated with the Father. He knew that Satan was at his foot. That if he wanted to talk to Satan, as Todd White says, you put it on your heel. Right. He knew that Satan was under him. He knew that Satan had no authority over his life. And therefore, he didn't have to beg God to remove Satan. He spoke directly to Satan. Be gone, Satan. So many of us, we come up again and again and again. Please answer this. Please answer this. Please answer this, Lord. And God's already answered it. He's just wanting you to declare it over your life. Speak it out in faith and walk it out. That's what God is wanting. To be a people that live by faith. See, we, see. you've got to see what happens. It's, it's amazing. Jesus knew who he was. He said, be gone, Satan. And then what happened after that? Satan left. Jesus said, be gone, Satan. And Satan left. I don't know if you know anything about Jesus, but he lives in you. It's the hope of glory. He lives in you. Amen. Ephesians 1 says what? We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in who? Christ who lives in us. See, we, we, don't, stand on, we don't stand on our own. We're jars of clay. But what has God placed in us? An all-surpassing power that comes not from us but from God. So that when you speak... And you speaking in faith, Satan listens and he moves. But it's all about being in that place of being first. And then understanding it. Then once you are in a place of being, when you speak it out, change comes. And not just that, but angels come as well. Well, you, you think I'm lying. Verse 11. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came. And we're ministering to him. When you stand in who you are, God loves that. Angels like that as well. You stand in who you are, you declare it out. What happens? Ministry begins. It's about standing who you are and then making the declarations in faith. See, when we as a people make a declaration coming from a place of authority, and that comes from knowing who we are, the devil and his servants and his effects must cede their hold and angelic presence is summoned. Don't believe me? Ask Brady. <laughs> when people in authority are moving in the place of identity, being who God says that we are, that's when the supernatural occurs. Not when we're, not when we're begging and pleading because we lack faith, but it's when we're declaring it in faith. God honors that because we're standing as his sons. We're walking it out as his sons and daughters. We're being who God's called us to be. I think a father would love that. So many of us, we don't pray out of faith, not out of a place of identity, but rather out of insecurity. And insecurity always lends itself to a works-based faith. When you think that you lack, you believe that you lack You're always going to try and strive and work to get to a place where you feel better about yourself again and where you feel like then you've earned the favor of God. See, what happened with Jesus and Satan is the same thing that Satan tempts so many believers with now and that the church has fallen headfirst into. Evangelize to prove you're a Christian. Pray at the prayer meetings to prove that you're spirit filled. Speak in tongues, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons to prove that you are a Christian. To prove that you're loved by God. To prove that God has anointed you. But see, when Jesus sent out, when Jesus sent out his disciples, what did he tell them? He said, and proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't say proclaim as you go that we are anointed and we are God's people. So here it is. He didn't say heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons so people will know that you must be a Christian. You can prove to yourself you're a Christian. He said go out and do it so that when those things happen, people will know that the kingdom has come upon them. That there's a shift happening in this world. See, the evangelist, the person who thinks that they evangelize to prove they're a Christian, they think that the number of decisions they get will prove that they're a son of God. The person who prays at the prayer meetings will think it's the number of times they come out. They think it's the, how loud they are in their prayers that will prove that they're spirit filled. The person who prays in tongues, how many tongues they can put in it. But God is saying, I've already anointed you. I've already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. See, our prayers reflect this insecurity. Lord, give me more anointing. That we pray every single ministry time. Lord, I need more, I need more, I need more. That we come up to every single altar call. I know we're having problems. I'm not telling you not to, not to come up to an altar call. But it's the person who comes up every single time needing prayer for the exact same thing when God is just saying... You declare it over your life and I'm going to change it. Just do it. Just walk in faith. See, we cry out to God begging and pleading with Him to do something when God cannot be tugged or coerced to do anything. See, it's about a people calling out to Him from a place of identity secured that we will see results take place. See, Jesus said it clearly. He said, I have given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. A lot of times we talk about the last part. Whatever, I, whatever we bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose here on earth will be loosed in heaven. But it's more about the fact that Jesus has already given you the keys. He's given you the keys to unlock every door that needs to get opened. Paul said he has blessed us in him with every spiritual blessing. Isaiah said it like this. He said they shall be called priests and ministers of our God. Instead of shame and dishonor, instead of their lot, they shall have a double portion. It's a people that walk in being priests and ministers of our God and initiate what, God, what is on God's heart. His kingdom coming on this earth as it is in heaven. That we don't pray prayers of lack and insecurity. Not trying to work for God to move, but that we decree it, we declare it, and we see change occur in his name. Even if you look in the Old Testament, the failures of some of the most mighty men of God came when they moved from a place of lack. Trying to earn or work for what God had already told them would be unlocked if they just walked in it. Moses. Kept out of the promised land. Why? Because God just told him, you are, you are a priest. I've anointed you. Just speak to the rock. You ain't got to do anything but declare from the place of where I've already put you. Just declare to the rock and water will spring forth. And what did Moses do? He hit it. He struck it. Because Moses thought that he got in a place of insecurity. He thought, he forgot who he was. He forgot that all he had to do was speak, and God honored that because he was his son, in whom God had just anointed Moses. He was his servant. All he had to do was speak. But Moses thought that he had to work for it, he thought he had to hit the rock. The Israelites we love to bash on the Israelites. But the Israelites, God continually said, You are my people. And I am your God. And then when they came to the place where all they had to do was go into the promised land. They lost their place of identity. They didn't realize that all they had to do was walk in it. From the place of who God had already made them to be. And they were going to see the change come. No, they thought they were weak. You know what? No, we need more anointing. We need more of that warrior spirit. We need more of it. Because right now we're weak. You see those guys, they're giants. We can't mess with giants. Instead of knowing that the Lord was with them to deliver them and all that they did. Joshua and Caleb, when they heard this, they insisted that they move forth out of faith and believing in who they were and who God said that they were. And if you look later, you look at Joshua later. Joshua didn't have to hit one wall of Jericho. They didn't have to touch the wall of Jericho. They didn't have to, they didn't have to hit it. They didn't have to, they didn't have to shoot it. They didn't have to blow it up. They didn't have to do anything. All they had to do was shout. All they had to do was declare it and God did it. They stood in who they were. They walked around worshiping God. Why? Because when you're worshiping God, you're reminded as to how great he is, how much he loves you, how much he's empowered you to go. And all you got to do now is shout and the walls are going to come down. Joshua understood this and that's why he followed the, that's why he followed the Lord. And, he, and they shouted down the walls. But then look at Saul. Saul placed his worth in what he did as king. Saul's an example of somebody who placed his worth in doing and not in being. But see, the problem with doing is at some point you're never go- you're not going to do it anymore. At some point, someone's going to do it better. And so what happened was when somebody else was coming around doing it better, Saul what? He not only disobeyed God, but he chased down David throughout the earth. You look at Elijah, even. Elijah didn't have to. Elijah called down fire from heaven. And then Jezebel's like, I'm going to get you, Elijah. And Elijah forgot who he was. He's up in a cave, scared to death. And what did God come to him and say? He came to him in a whisper, and he said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? You know who I've made you to be? I've already given you the anointing and authority to defeat Jezebel. But you know what? Because you're not going to walk in it, I'm going to just call you to anoint someone else to complete that work. And so he had he went and he anointed Elisha. He anointed the king. And, and they, they were the ones to see Jezebel come down. Because Elisha knew who he, he stood and who he was. And where Elijah was shaken, instead of just decreeing it, instead of walking it out, instead of really living by faith. This is what this is about. He was shaken in his identity. Even Adam. I think about this one a lot. Adam. They're the entire time where the serpent tempts Eve. He's just chilling. He's standing there the entire time while the serpent's talking to Eve. Adam gave the serpent his name. He was like, oh, this thing looks ugly. I'm going to call it snake. He could have he could have walked in his authority right then and crushed the snake. But instead he stayed silent. He allowed the words of Satan to, to bring doubt into his identity. And instead of walking in it, he stayed silent. Adam was called to stand in the identity God had given him and from that place initiate his kingdom. But he failed. But hallelujah, where Adam failed, Christ succeeded. So you got to understand it's about who you are in that man right there, Jesus. You understand that Satan can't touch you? That the blood covers you? It's the the strongest force in the universe. Satan cannot penetrate the blood of Christ. You understand that? You understand that when you pray the blood, Satan can't touch you. He can't touch you. You are untouchable. You understand you are more than a conqueror. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. If you understand that, when Satan attacks, it's funny. It's not frightening. It's funny. Like during this week, I was being attacked. I was being attacked before this message. And then all of a sudden I hear from Brady. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Brady. I get a phone call from Brady and Brady begins to tell me that he's speaking to me about how the Lord, he eyes me in the cleft of his rock, cleft of the mountain. And that when the, that Satan can't move that mountain, Satan can't move God. And you're, you're hidden in God. You can't. He God protects you. His blood covers you. Satan can't touch you. So many times when we get attacked, what is attacked? It's attacked our identity. You get attacked with lust. You begin to think you're dirty. You begin to think that you're worthless. You're an animal. You get attacked with anger. You think, oh, I am wretched. How can I get angry at this person again? You get attacked... You begin to fall in certain ways and you begin to think it's you. And you no longer stand in who God has told you you are. And that's what gives, that's what gives the enemy authority. Staying silent. Instead of decreeing from the place of where you are for Satan to get his hands off your life, get his hands off your family, get his hands off of this nation. You guys know that we have more authority than the demons that are over North Korea? Like, really? Like who God has made us to be when we pray for North Korea. It's not us begging God to save North Korea. It's declaring that God's will be done over that nation. It's us declaring those demonic forces over Kim Jong-il and over that nation to be loosened. And when we pray it, and we pray it from the place of authority, being seated with him in heavenly places, everything else is below us. Even those demons over North Korea, even those strongholds over your family. The weapons of our warfare are not of this world. They have divine power to destroy strongholds. Why? Because God has equipped us with them. It's because of who we are in Him. It's about standing in our identity and being initiators of God's will to impact the world. Not just to impact soul. Not just to impact your families, to impact the world. A lot of times we hear that and we, we cower because we feel like it's too big. But really, that, the, the call of Christ for us to go out in who we are is that big. You know, God's not insecure. God's not insecure. He knows that his will, it will stand. His purposes will not fail. And He knows that He's we'll be the vessels to do it. When we stand in who He's told us that we are. It's about our nations, our families, our campuses, and our workplaces. When We pray for the nations. We ain't got to pray for North Korea or for China like it's this huge country. The nations are like a drop in the bucket to God. And therefore, it should be like a drop in the bucket to us. When we pray. That we pray from a place... Understanding that it's not impossible because God lives in us. When Moses came before God, he asked him, he said, who is this talking to me? And God replied, I am that I am. God wasn't insecure and it wasn't God's actions that verify his identity. It isn't God healing people. It isn't God setting people free. It isn't God doing all those things to verify who God is. God just is, right? And it is who God that changes things. And in the same way, we have to stand in who God says we are. That we are who he says we are. We are what we are. That when I leave this pulpit, I don't change from being Marcus Corpening. When I go out in the, se- in the streets of Seoul, I ain't got to prove to anybody that I am who I am. I ain't got to prove to anyone that I'm anointed, that I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit, that I'm his child, that I'm ser- his servant, that I'm his bride, that I'm a light to, the, light to the world, I'm the salt to the earth. I ain't got to prove it to anyone. As I stand in who God has told me I am, those things are going to happen. Amen. you got to believe that for yourself. You got to believe that we don't have to work for it. We don't have to prove it. We just have to be it. See, the same call that God gave Adam is the same call he gives us. To stand in who he's called us to be and to go out and initiate his kingdom. To be fruitful and multiply. Go and make disciples of all nations. It's called multiplication. Not so that we would get caught up in how big the call is. Not that we would get caught up in the doing. But that it would first come out of the being. We'd realize how great, how awesome our God is. And that this God has empowered us. Ephesians Three, it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to what? According to the riches, the power that lives in us. That power that lives in us, God uses to go out and to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That we would walk the earth According to this power, as the light, as his anointed, as the freed, as the ministers, as the disciples, as the priests, as his children, initiating and bringing forth his kingdom. Let's pray. I want you to take this moment. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray for a minute. We'll pray for a bit. And I want you to, I want you to stand. I want you to, I want you to stand in the place that God has, has, has put you. God has positioned you here in Korea so that you would stand in, in the authority God has given you. And the identity God has placed, God tells you who you are in that identity and that you would begin to walk in a way, pray in a way, live your life in a way that reflects not the doing but the being. So what I want us to do right now, I want us to, I want us to take this time and I want us to declare back to God who we are in Him. And I want you to do it out loud. That I want you to speak out to God. God, I thank you that I am yours. I am anointed. I am your beloved. I am your son. I thank you, Lord, that you are proud of me. For some of you, this, is, this may be hard. But it's who God says you are. You might as well declare it. And I want us to just really open our mouths to do it. Don't do it in your minds. There's power when you speak these things out. If you've been struggling with purity, I want you to declare that you are pure. If you've been struggling in your workplace, you feel like you're weak. I want you to declare that you are strong. And I want you to begin to declare who you are in Christ at this hour. So let's raise our voices right now. Let's pray, church. what what I want you to do is I want you, I want us to I want us to begin to to declare life declare life over our lives declare the blessing of God over our lives declare salvation over our unsaved family members I want us to begin declaring God's freedom over over those of those of us who are in bondage I want us to declare freedom for yourselves I want you to declare it If you feel like Satan has been weighing you down, has you chained down, I want you to begin declaring freedom over your own life. I want you to begin declaring freedom and restoration upon those around you. Upon those that are closest to your heart. I want you to begin declaring the goodness of our God. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. So I want you to declare these things over your life. I want you to, I want you to just really ask God for the specific people. There are people you don't even have to ask right now. You know it deep in your heart that there are certain people that you want to see change. There are certain people you want to see revived, and I want you to begin declaring it into their lives right now. I want you to begin declaring it over them right now in Jesus' name. So let's pray. Declare it, declare it, declare it. Command the enemy off of your family. Command the enemy off of your campus. Command the enemy off of those you love. Declare it in Jesus' name, declare it. One last thing, I want us to stand in the place of who we are. We're priests and ministers of our God. I want us to declare freedom, life over this nation, over the nation of Korea, both north and south. There are people that continue, young people continually killing themselves. Because they're doing, this nation has defined their doing as their being. That how they do defines who they are. And so when when these young people, when they fail or they experience hard times, they begin to think that they're nothing and they're not even worth living. And then they kill themselves. But we need to be a people that stand in the gap. We intercede and we declare life over these young people. We declare life over the campuses here in Seoul. We declare life over the churches in Korea. That the churches will be raised up to realize the mantle, the authority that God has given them, the call that God has given them. Because He loves them. So I want us to, and I want us to speak, I want us to declare Satan to get his hands off of North Korea. Not to be begging God for it to take place. It says when we ask, he gives, he gives good things. We don't have to beg. He loves us. So I want us to stand and I want us to declare life, 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 freedom, breakthrough over North Korea, over South Korea. I want us to pray that right now. I want us to declare it right now. Let's do it, church. Let's do it. Father God, you are a mighty God. Father God, you are our our shield. You are the horn of our salvation, God. You are our fortress, our refuge, God. Father God, we stand, Lord God. We stand, Lord God, not, Lord God, apart from you, Lord God. We do not stand, Lord God, as, Father God, weak vessels, Lord God, apart from you, Lord God. But, Lord, you place your all-surpassing power in us, God. Father God, you place your all-surpassing power in us, Lord. And you have a purpose for it, Lord. Father God, for us to wake up, Lord, to perceive what we already possess, Lord, to know who we are in you, God, and to, Father God, walk in that authority and anointing on this earth, Lord. Father God, Father God, we just declare, Lord God, we declare the spirit of suicide on this nation, Lord God, to be loosened off of South Korea in Jesus' name. We command you off of the young people in Jesus' name. We speak directly to you, Satan. And we command you. Be gone from this nation. Be gone from North Korea. Be gone from our lives. Be gone from our families. Be gone from the campus. Be gone. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. And, Father God, you bestow good gifts upon your people. And, Lord God, your will, Lord God, the desire of your heart is to see your kingdom come. Your will be done. So, Lord, bring it. Lord God, we want to see it. Lord God, on this nation, Lord God, we just declare the kingdom of God to break forth into our nation, into our lives. In Jesus' name, the kingdom of heaven to come in. Woo! To see salvation break forth. To see healing break forth. Yes, Lord, we declare it, Lord. For, Lord, you have positioned us in this place, Lord. You have positioned us here to decree and declare it, Lord. We are seated with you in heavenly places, God. Yes, Lord. Lord, may you awaken us, continue to open up our eyes. May you give us, Lord God, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord. That our eyes will be enlightened, God. The eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, Lord. And we would know the immeasurable power turned towards us who believe. Yes, God. This all-surpassing power is not from us, but from you, God. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are, God. Empower us to walk it out from the place of being loved by you, God. Show us what it means to be loved, God. So that, Lord, we would know how to love others. Show us what it means, Lord. We command every wall that has been placed in our hearts, every wall of fear, every wall of hurt, command it down in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we just declare the love of God to rush in. Begin to transform our minds, begin to transform our hearts, transform our lives. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray all these things. Amen.